Freedom Trophy stays. Yet again, here in Madison, Wisconsin. Take that, Nebraska. Uh. Ooh, what a w- now, it didn't look like it was going to be good boys on Saturday as uh, Nebraska went up 14 to nothing real quick. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Here we another slow start from the Badgers. It's doomsday. Well, that's why they play all the whole game. They don't end it after a team goes up early. Correct. Badgers get that overtime win, 24-17 over Nebraska. You know, on the uh, Zone Blitz pregame, we were talking about how all of a sudden after the Hunter Waller comments and Luke Fickle came out and said some stuff that, oh, it comes out, you know, Friday. You know, they've had good practices. They practice well this week. They're ready for this Nebraska game. And we're kind of joking about it. Like, we'll see. We'll see how they come out because maybe we'll find out exactly where everyone stands, whether they're going to roll over in the first quarter or the first half. Well, in the first quarter, they got absolutely punched in the mouth. Yeah, they're given S factor. 14 to nothing. <laughs> I actually give them a lot of credit because they easily could have rolled oh, over. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, after, you know, saying, you know, we're going to figure out who wants to be here and, and blah, 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 and talking about this and that and. Then you go down fourteen to nothing. They easily could have rolled over and said, "We don't care." Yeah, like we're we're out of here. This is done. It looked like they didn't care right away. Yeah, but I, I'll give them a lot of props to go down fourteen to nothing to come back, uh, end up uh, winning that game in overtime. I actually do think that's a sign of them somewhat turning the corner. Right, so RJ, you were uh, Rowdy was at the red zone doing recon. You were at the game. I had to, my nieces were in town, so I had to go be the funkle. I had to. Uh, <laughs> As as the game was on, I was playing a little princess stuff, but nice. um, did get to watch it as it was all unfolding. So we all had different experiences watching the game. <laughs> but at first, I think we all felt the same. Oh, my gosh. Here oh, we go again. Yeah. The Badgers are getting punched in the mouth and watch them just disappoint everyone again at Camp Randall and still have that bowl eligibility hang in the balance of the final game of the season against Minnesota. But, oh, oh nay, nay. No. Oh, nay, nay. RJ, when they're down 14 to nothing, what was the vibe like in Camp Randall? I can imagine what it was like, but what was it like when you were there? Oh, I mean, wasn't good. No. Uh, and however many people tell you they're... How empty that, was it? It wasn't like the 90% that all the websites say, like, hey, it was like <laughs> 72,000. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, That was tickets sold. I mean, yeah. But, uh, you know, even on that third drive Nebraska had where they were still getting their chunk plays and driving in the in the second quarter... When they decided to go for it on fourth and two from our 30, the Badger 35, um, and we stopped that, they could have been up 17 to nothing at that point. And probably that would have been a death blow for for the Badgers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Wisconsin makes the stop, uh, gets a yard short, um, and turns around and scores immediately on the next drive. It's that I think is what showed the Badgers. At least they had a chance in this fight. Yeah. And whatever that did then, um, Trestle made his adjustments before halftime, which you've been screaming on that for a while. And it was nice to see because then uh, on that next drive, sure. You hold them to a 45, two-yard field goal attempt to end the half. Well, nope, they punted. Uh, Then Wisconsin scored to make it Mm 10-14. And then, you know, had a little bit of a bend-don't-break series to end the drive where you went into the prevent defense, and all that prevent still does is prevents you from winning. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you're lucky that guy missed. Uh, I think maybe that's why he wasn't kicking a 42-yard field goal that first time because I think that's what he missed there. Um, But the team at least got cheered off the field this game. That's good. Uh, So that was a plus. That's always a good Uh, good sign. If you just look at the box score, like Braylon Allen having 22 carries for 62 yards, he was less than a three-yard per carry average. I mean, it doesn't look pretty. But when it mattered. But at least he needed to be out there for that team. You know what I mean? Like, without him taking snaps, I feel like you clearly have a big drop-off at the running back position. I don't think you have to be, you know, like some some smart person to figure that one out. Yeah. But I was actually kind of impressed with Tanner Mordecai because, again, 
I never thought Tanner Mordecai would be using his legs Dude. playing in this <laughs> offense for the Badgers. He was huge on the wheels. But yeah, he was running the mm-hmm. football pretty well. And I feel like every time I looked up when they needed a, a pass play, it was Will Pauling that was coming down with it. Yeah. yeah. And Will Pauling yeah. made and how about how about Vinny Anthony? Like that big punt return? Like guys like that. No were points giving came them, out of it, but it's a f- change of field. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm like Guys like that making plays yeah. where it's just a big energy play, maybe it doesn't turn into a touchdown or it doesn't turn into, you know, Wisconsin starting to to go down the field and score, but just the energy that it brings and the fact that it it can flip the field just mm-hmm. in general when it feels like maybe you're starting to get backed up and stalling. Yeah. Because this was a game in which I think everyone knew it was going to be low scoring. The total was 37 and a half. Mm-hmm. We knew that both of these teams were going to try and run the football. Right. Plays like that can be, th- those are, I should say it like this. Those are Iowa momentum changing plays. That, that, that's, <laughs> what, that's what you do when you don't have a great offense. And I mean, when you're looking at Braylon Allen being banged up and you're looking at the fact that Ches malusi has been hurt, Chim Ray DK, who's arguably been the best receiver on this team for the last two, three years. When all those guys are hurt and you're lacking some offense, it takes big plays like that out of nowhere mm-hmm. to win these type of grinded out games. And Wisconsin found a way to win, found a way to extend that bowl streak. Yeah, maybe. And I think the the good thing here, after this week, after Minnesota, they don't have to play in the Big Ten West. We can cross that off the list. But it'll give guys like Braylon Allen the ability to take a month to get healthy for the bowl game. Yeah. Speaking of Braylon Allen too, that fourth down call from Luke fickle. And then Allen just that tough as nails run to, uh, you know, convert and then followed up by, you know, him riding the offensive line in the end zone, which was the game winning touchdown. (laughs) That was badass. Also, I'm a little surprised they didn't blow that rushing touchdown dead earlier. Let him breathe. Let him Um, breathe. Well, earlier in the game, Jackson Aker, had the same thing happen, and he got marked down four yards before he crossed the first out. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, what are you doing? He didn't stop. So and- this is the the life of the red zone. Obviously, we know that some of these big games like Ohio State, everyone's sitting there watching intensely. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the Buffaloes of the world where it's nice weather, first game of the season. <laughs> You're outside. People are outside. People don't care. People are then. talking. <laughs> it's Buffalo. Like they should be beating them by 30, even though they weren't. But yeah, no one's no one's caring. I would say the life of the red zone was all right for the people that were there. It was a decent amount of people watching. Yeah. And then when they got punched in the mouth and it's 14 to nothing, I think the I whole. I some shots. Yeah. I think the whole. Shots. Air in the red zone just got sucked out. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden you kind of look up in the second quarter you're like, oh, Badgers, Badgers made it 14 to seven. Then you go back to your conversation. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, it's like, oh, well, they're making this a game 14 to 10 at half. Yeah. But then. As the game progresses, people are the people that are still there are getting more and more interested. And by the end of that game, people are focused on the TVs. By overtime, everybody was invested in cheering. And when they won the game, there was a lot of people that screamed throwing high fives. It was like <laughs> that was a weird game. It was yeah, like people got interested as the game went on. Yeah. I mean, usually, like the Northwestern game, we got disinterested yeah. as the Normally game Normally, it was like, well, all right, we were interested to start, and then it's just less and less. This was the complete opposite. The, the only issues, I mean, still offensive play calling seemed a little wonky throughout the day. Dude, on the broadcast, they mentioned air raid I don't know how many times. I'm like, please stop saying air raid. Like, yeah. Please stop saying um, this. It's like the two times the Badgers got stopped on downs, I mean – you could have added six more points, uh, and it would have been twenty three seventeen going into that final drive, or twenty three fourteen going into that final drive uh, for Nebraska. And no matter what they did, you would have still been winning, and you wouldn't have gone to overtime. Now, I mean, people are like, "But it was the right move." I'm going to say this: I mean, we have the Vacos kid is is a good kicker. I I would have rather had points on the board. Sure. Than trying to pick up a, a fourth and one or fourth and two. All I know is that both teams made a lot of mistakes. We knew yes. that this wasn't going to be a pretty game. But I can't believe how Nebraska played at the end. Nebraska I, played. Baffling. Nebraska had an opportunity to try and win that game at the end. And 
like hats off to the Badgers. They figured yeah. out a way to win. Like they they were down fourteen to nothing in the first quarter. They come back, find a way to win on senior night in a in a game we knew that was going to be a gross kind of physical yep. game. But what was Nebraska doing playing for the tie? Three and a half minutes, all three timeouts left. Yeah, and you played for the tie. At, at like that, the mind. Ooh. Like, Oof, I'm indeed. glad Wisconsin won. I'm glad that they're going to a bowl game. But at the same time, if you're sitting there and you're a Nebraska fan, you have to be sitting there going, what are we doing? Matt Rule, what happened to you? <laughs> but that's the thing. I was, I mean, RJ and I were talking off air. I'm saying if Nebraska had a legitimate power five solid quarterback that we could say is probably top five quarterback in the, the Big Ten, this team this year probably wins at least nine games. Yeah. Like that's that's how good their defense has actually been this year. Their defense and specials have been pretty good. The run game has been decent. It's they're averaging 130 yards of passing per game. Jeff Sims was a fumbling machine that couldn't throw. Yeah, and then they've that. been rotating basically running quarterbacks ever since. Yeah. And I mean their throwing is is marginally better than Jeff Sims, but man, if they had like a top 5 quarterback in the Big 10, this team would have won nine or nine or ten games. If they had a quarterback not named Jeff Sims, they would have beaten Colorado. Yeah. And yeah. they should have beat Minnesota. Well, yeah, Colorado loses you again. think about Nebraska. Okay, they're five and six, and they now have to beat Iowa for the Heroes Trophy Heroes. on senior night to become bowl eligible. But you look at what they've done. Jeff Sims had like five turnovers against Colorado. They should have won that game. Yep. They should have beaten Minnesota where he played like trash. They lost to Michigan. That just is what it is. They lost the turnover battle three to nothing against Michigan State and lost by a field goal. They lost. Or they had five turnovers against Maryland and lost by a field goal. And then they came in and played like this against Wisconsin. I, I mean, seriously, they might be able to say with a decent top five Big Ten quarterback, we probably would have one loss this year, and that's to Michigan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this team is going to be pretty good moving forward, especially when Matt Rule gets his players in there. And that's just another team you got to contend with now in the future Big Ten once we bring in Washington and Oregon and all the other Pac-12 schools. Now, speaking of Michigan, or Michigan, uh, Nebraska, since they joined the Big Ten in 2011, the Badgers are now 10-1. and one, dominant. Or, I'm sorry, 12-1 and one against the Cornhuskers. Yep. 12 and, and 1. The one loss was before the trophy game started. Yeah. So they have never won. They've the, had the 10 trophy. straight games in a row. I just beat love Nebraska. the manufactured trophies. Yeah. The the freedom, freedom trophy that, you know, we just had to to, to hey, bring they, it out there once they came They were pretty inspired, the though, after the game. They were all holding it. And well, I think it was more bowl eligibility. Uh, also, a vast majority of the people ran off the sidelines. They so can, I saw that they're like, they're holding it, they're loving it. Cherishing it, yeah, but I mean, it was. <laughs> did they have to be reminded to go back over? Yeah, there? <laughs> they did. <laughs> hey guys, uh, go pretend like you really like, like this trophy. Get I, back out there. It's one of those. I think if this goes the way of the slab of bacon, nobody's gonna care. Slab of bacon's cool though. No, I know, but I'm saying if it yeah. gets quote unquote lost, lost nobody's gonna care. <laughs> well, hey, here speaking of caring, would you rather play for the Freedom Trophy or the Heroes Trophy? Because Iowa and Nebraska now play Well, without heroes, heroes, Rowdy, you trophy. don't have freedom. Well, the Heroes trophy is just a football on a, like a... I know, but they, like they a... both suck. Oh, but yeah, they, they were do. both clearly manufactured in the last 10 years. I mean, so is the Heartland trophy. Well, I mean, sp- speaking of caring, our guy Mike and Portage says, are we happy the Badgers are going bowling, or do we just want to be put out of the misery? No, you're happy oh, they're going bowling. Yeah. That's, tw- that's 22 straight years in a row. Third, ro- uh, third longest. Also, By the way, after football. next Saturday, you get like another... Two weeks to uh, a month of practice, depending on yeah. when your bowl is. Of course you care. More money, too. Yeah. All I have to say about I learned what a new trophy was over the weekend, oh, and cool. I didn't mention it on the broadcast, but now that we're talking about trophies, it feels right to bring up because it's kind of hilarious. So I was watching ACC Network. Oh, it sure. was Louisville-Miami. Mm, okay. We had a bet cool. on Louisville pick them. Louisville, Louisville card, did win. Is cards it, up. Is it a trophy related to Howard Schnellenberger? Yes, it is. Okay. Cards it, up. It is Howard Schnellenberger's bronzed boots. Okay. His wife literally donated a pair of his boots because obviously he coached. He was the one that really brought Miami into being the U. And then he oh, finished that his yeah. career kind of like with Louisville. 
They bronzed his legitimate boots that, that his thing. wife that donated nice. to the two schools it's beautiful. for a rivalry trophy. I was hoping it'd be his oh mustache. It's, it's beautiful. Look at that boot. It is a beautiful boot, too. They're real. Yeah, it's beautiful. Look at that I thing. Like, I was like, really? They took a dead man's boots and they bronzed hey, them? I mean, he meant a hey. lot to both of those programs. I get it. He yeah. lives on forever now with a bronzed boot. I mean, if you're, go- if you're going to do it, I guess there's some creativity there. Yeah. And he was like the first head coach at FAU. Maybe we can get them at least involved not- and make it like the commander's trophy. At least it's something creative. At least it's not like they just slapped like a, we'll yeah. call this the freedom trophy or the hero's yeah, trophy. How did they come up with the name of freedom trophy? It was like, all right, boys, we need something so generic that we can pass by. I got it. Freedom Trophy. Not a clue. <laughs> like, when you think of Wisconsin and Nebraska, do you think of the word freedom? No. no. <laughs> they should have been Sorry. like they should have named it like the Corn Bowl. Yeah, so, so something well, involving the Midwest. Uh, Iowa and Nebraska's original trophy was like yeah, someone like a family uh, hanging around a basket of corn. Like, yeah. that was the original, and people were like, nah, that ain't it. There should be, like, a cow on there eating corn. No, it should have been, like, yeah, Iowa versus Nebraska should not be the freaking Heroes Trophy. It should be, like, the Corn Cob Bowl. Yeah, something like that. It, it just It's just like a, here, here's a Corn Cob. We love yeah. our freedom, don't get us wrong, but the Freedom Trophy? You have the, you have the privilege of shucking this. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shucks. Ah, oh, shucks. All right, yes, we do care about the bowl. They're going bowling, baby. Right, we'll I think that's why they were more excited. It was. It wasn't like, about. We get the a vacation. Free, it, yeah, it wasn't. They weren't excited about the Freedom Trophy. They were excited that the Freedom Trophy meant they were going bowling. Yeah. Oh, it was. That's actually a secondary trophy for Iowa. Iowa State. Sorry. So uh, we're riding high over this victory Monday. It's crazy to say that the last time both the Badgers and the Packers won on the same weekend was the September twenty second weekend. Yeah, nearly two months ago. That was. Uh, <laughs> It feels good. It feels good to be talking about it. And on the Packer front, a lot of stats coming out here of Jordan Love I want to get to. So Jordan Love finally got that 300-yard game, uh, 300 yard game under his belt, 322 yards, two tutties, no interceptions, which was nice, 27 of 40 uh, throwing. Also, the last quarterback to do that was Aaron Rodgers in 2021 against the Bears in uh, December. And then um, – um, we were talking wide receivers as well, Rowdy. Um, we'll get to that, too, when Jordan Love's target, uh, targets certain wide receivers. But first, you know, people keep comparing the Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. So Rodgers, after first 10 games as a starter, was 5-5, five and five, uh, breakout game against the Bears. Love, after 10 games, 4-6, and six, now with his first 300-yard passing game against the Chargers. So you gotta, we're all feeling good about Jordan Love after that performance. I don't see how you couldn't because Jordan Love finally, not finally, but this, would you say this is his most complete game that he's had outside of that uh, that Bears game week yeah, one? Yeah, he had the Bears at the beginning of the year, but the Bears are... That was more of an Aaron Jones game was against the Bears. Yeah, the, and the Bears aren't very good. The defense isn't very good. Now, the, you can say the exact same thing about the Chargers. Yeah. But uh, I would say yes. But it feels like the last few weeks we've been seeing a little bit more here and there of Jordan Love having some poise in the play. But I also, like I said earlier, I think it goes back to the fact that the line has played a little bit better. Because there were a few games in there where the line couldn't block anybody. And there just wasn't time to throw. You're seeing a team gelling. I mean, they're the youngest team in the NFL by a landslide. So you're you're seeing a team gelling and and growing and learning together. So it's nice to see progression uh, out of them. And... With um, the Broncos beating the Vikings, now the Packers are one game back in the loss column of a playoff spot, <laughs> which is which is just wild to say. But the NFC is not that good. Yeah, and now when they take seven teams into the, the playoffs from each conference, I mean, you look at the fact that in the East you have the Eagles and the Cowboys. Those are probably two playoff locks. Yep. You have the Detroit Lions in the North. And then in the West, you have the 49ers. Those probably feel like the four teams that are 100% locks for the playoff right now. You still have seven. Someone still has to, to win the crummy South, which, <laughs> which what, the, New it's not right going to be the Panthers. No. The, the Buccaneers are in a tailspin since uh, Baker Mayfield got hurt. It's kind of just the Falcons and Saints, neither of which are good. So you take one from there, that's five teams, and it feels like those last two playoff spots are probably up for grabs. If you would have asked everyone probably two, three weeks ago, the Seahawks probably would have been a team that looked like a a pretty good lock for the playoffs. Well, they've fallen on tough times the last few weeks. 
And then, yeah, we already mentioned it. It's like no one in the South can play well, and no one else is really uh, stepping up and playing good. I know the Vikings are in there, but you felt like once Kirk Cousins went down, you felt, man, eh, season's probably trending towards being over. Josh Dobbs, maybe he that prevented that for a few weeks, but now they lost to Denver. Now, is that honeymoon over? Are they coming back to reality? Is Feels Russell like Wilson they probably good again? Will. Is Russell Wilson good again, Rowdy? Looking like it. I mean, he's got similar numbers to Pat Mahomes. Like he, he, he is having a resurgence this yeah. year. Was Nathaniel Hackett now, really that bad of a Patrick problem? Patrick Mahomes is also having one of his lesser years, but he also has a Travis Kelsey who maybe is not as focused as uh, past seasons with the Taylor Swift stuff. Also, <laughs> Travis Kelsey's getting old. Yeah, He's on the wrong side of 30. Yeah. And uh, the rest of the wide receivers... They're not great. And here's how it stacks up right now. Philadelphia, number one. The Lions, number two. The uh, Niners, number three. Saints, four. The Cowboys, five. Vikings, sixth. And the Seattle Seahawks, seventh. And the Packers right now sitting at eighth. Yeah, it feels like there's legitimately two open spots for the playoffs. Yeah. People are playing for two spots. Now, the Packers have um, look at the Lions and the Chiefs coming up. Obviously, Lions on Thursday and the Chiefs after that. Uh, I do believe Taylor Swift will be in tour then, so she won't be coming to Lambeau, thank God. But if the Packers steal one of those games, then they have the Giants, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Vikings, and the Bears in the final five. I think remembering back to the beginning of the season, most people said that the Green Bay Packers would go 8-9, and nine, plus or minus a game. Yeah. Most people were in that vicinity. So 8-9, and nine, plus or minus a game, you're looking at 9-8, and 7-10, and 10. That's where the majority of people fell. You had your few people that are like, oh, they're only going to win five games or four games. You had a few of those. Then you had a few of the crazy cats that are like 10 and seven. Oh, this team could actually be good. But for the most part, I would say the average is about eight and nine. Yeah. You look at the schedule now, they're four and six. Maybe it looks like the line has been all right. Jordan Love is playing better. Some of the young receivers or skilled players are kind of starting to come of age as they get halfway through their rookie or, or second years. Well, I think if you look at the schedule, there are some winnable games for the Green Bay Packers where it's like, I know the Giants kicked the, kicked the crap out of the Commanders, but <laughs> Commanders aren't good. It's not like all of a sudden, you know, Tommy DeVito is some great quarterback because he played one decent game. Yeah. But you look at the just the schedule in general. It's going to be pretty tough with the, the Lions on a short week in Detroit. Obviously, it's going to be tough to beat a Mahomes-led Chiefs team. But once you get outside of there, Giants aren't very good. Tampa Bay has been playing horribly since Mayfield got hurt. Clearly, the Panthers aren't very good. And then you have this, the Vikings and the Bears. If you told me that the Green Bay Packers found a way to win their last five games... I could see that happening. Yeah. I could see them going five and two down the stretch. Now I think that's that's definitely best case scenario, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if you if someone told me they end up going five and two. Well, five and two, that's nine and eight. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's they're still very much in that that zone with how they've played this year, the ups and especially the downs, and how there was one point a few weeks ago you could have very well thought that the Packers were a bottom five team in the NFL with how they were playing. They definitely were playing that way. Oh yeah. But you might say that there was trending that they might actually be one of those bottom five teams at the end of the year. But yeah, you look at the schedule. It looks like they, they could still very well, very well find their way on the eight and nine, nine and eight type of record. Again, I don't think they go five and two, but I wouldn't be shocked. I, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't write off eight and nine. No. Yeah, in that stretch when they lost four in a row, you're like, damn, this team, I don't know how they're going to win another game. Doesn't it feel like, though, in those stretches, it, say this team ends up going 7-10, and 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and eight, right in there. They end up finishing the season 5-2, and 4-3, and three, or 3-4. Three and four. They kind of met expectations, yeah. even though it felt like at times that this team was just so horrible. And it felt that where way. You, just, you felt like it was, you know, throw this team in the dumpster, throw them in the trash. <laughs> but yeah, we could still, at the end of the season, find a team that actually was playing to what most people's expectations level were. Yeah. And I think Vegas, Vegas's win total for the Packers was seven and a half. So, I mean... If they hit seven, eight, nine wins, they're right there on what they were expecting too. So I mean, overall, through through all through all the pain, 
Packers are actually playing kind of where people thought they were. Yeah, and that game last night or yesterday afternoon was a nice little uh, Jordan Love breakout. Uh, let's say you Packer fans and Badger fans too. Badgers, they're both. It eligible. just stinks on how they did it because you look at, you just go back and you're like, well, the Falcons game should have been a win. Well, Saints probably should have been a loss. How the hell did they lose to the Raiders? How the hell did they lose to the Broncos, right? Then how the hell did they beat um, uh, the Saints, right? Then on the flip side, too. Like, there's a game that they shouldn't have won, but they did. But, yeah. Because I feel like you could, as a Packer fan, you could easily talk yourself into saying they should have beat the Falcons. They should have beat the Raiders. They should have beat the Broncos. Um, You could say they probably could have beaten Pittsburgh. This team's in all their losses besides, you know, the Lions ass whooping. And I guess that Vikings loss, too. They were in all those games. I mean, they're in them. They're just young and they're learning. Uh, let's go. Here. And I still will say this. I think they probably end up going like eight and nine. And we're going to be bummed because they're going to miss the postseason by like a game. And then they're going to come away with instead of like a top five or top 10 draft pick, it'll be like top 15. <laughs> and we're going to be like, oh, yeah. we're picking 15th in the draft. Oh, uh, you know, if we would have lost some of those games, we could have been picking fifth. You mean we can't get Marvin Harrison Jr. now? All right, let's go to the phone's line. All right, here's the offensive tackle again. <laughs> yeah. Line one, good morning. Victory Monday, boys. Vagabond, John. What's up, brother? Rowdy, you got to save some takes for the rest of us, man. You're just going there. I was like, okay, he covered that point. I'm like, Let me try to find a different We're inspired on a Victory Monday, Johnny. We are. We are. For both teams. How about that? Hey, at the beginning of the season, I had eight wins for both the Badgers and the Packers. And for it to be Thanksgiving week and for that to be very much alive, it feels I'm good. excited. It feels dude. This is a feeling we haven't felt since September 22nd weekend. So we got to soak it in. We got to feel good. And your Badgers bowl eligible, too. Johnny, that was so long ago, the Brewers were still winning games. <laughs> Craig Council was still our favorite guy. <laughs> Who? I, exactly. Greg exactly. Clownsel, you mean? Uh, yeah, I think that was right. Um, yeah, I think to Rowdy's point, when he was just going through, you look at some of these losses that happen, that it's just like. Matt LaFleur, you pick up one first down against the Falcons. This team is looking at the playoffs like they're solidly in the hunt, right? But, Mm -hmm. you know, it goes both ways. I think the one thing that I'm worried about for going forward is our guy Aaron Jones just going down again. I mean, yeah, he had a couple drops, but that's the absolute heart and soul of the offense. Now, he said he avoided serious injury, no ACL. So, I mean, it's a short turnaround this week, so we'll see what happens, but. Yeah, short turnaround, and maybe this game's a throwaway since the Lions seem pretty dominant, anyways. But man, if we would have had that guy, that cat, just for the rest of the year, you know, think about a lot of those close games that we lost. We didn't have Aaron Jones. Yeah. So if we're looking forward to next year. I'm feeling pretty good. Those receivers kind of balled out yesterday for the Packers. So that was uh, that was pretty exciting. Well, Vagabond, doesn't Barry it feel like a game for the Packers? Doesn't it feel like though the last couple of weeks you're seeing Wicks, you're seeing Reed. Dobbs has been probably the most solid, steady wide receiver they've had the last two years. It feels like you you have three wide receivers for the future that should all be solid. Did you did you just pour some oh, cereal? No, I was uh, rinsing off the old uh, uh, the old dishes. Pan. Yeah, those dishes ain't gonna do yeah, themselves. My dishes time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, super excited about the Packers win yesterday. Thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, Badger game. I slept through the entire thing. <laughs> Got a little ambitious with the old uh, the old uh, herbal water and uh, just passed out the entire night. So couldn't tell you a thing Oopsies. that happened. Well, but they it, won. It, they did. It didn't start out the greatest, but it ended nice. And look, I mean, Matt Rule, if you're going to make those types of decisions, that dude just does not belong to be a head football coach. That's, that's the one prediction where I'm like, okay, if the Badgers lose, you know, I, I, my Big Ten West prediction is going to look almost exactly spot on. So I'm sitting here thinking, like, okay, well, at least I got it right, uh, thinking that Nebraska is a better team. But that dude just does not belong as a head football coach to have a chance to win the game, to just let the clock run out. What a freaking loser. I mean, that dude just sucks. <laughs> Are you kidding? Like, that's the perfect Nebraska coach. That have you? Do you remember seeing a coach, like, just being that – like making that type of decision. We have a minute and a half left. We're on the opponent's 20-yard line. We could kick a field goal or we could win the freaking game. And this dude runs the clock out, kicks a field goal, and then just gets curb stomped in, in OT. I mean, 
What a loser. If I'm a Nebraska fan this morning, and I know some people out there in Eau Claire, it's a little far west. Shout out Firehouse, Great Bar. Shout out Cowboy Jacks. We love Eau Claire. Oh, hell yeah. But man. But man alive. That, that dude sucks. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to keep doing dishes and get ready to work, boys. Hey, go get him, Vagabond. See you, buddy. All over the weekend, Brewers fans. Another tough blow, but Rowdy's here to tell you otherwise. He can he can soothe you. He can ease the tension, baby. Brandon Woodruff non-tendered as uh, becomes a free agent. And a lot of Brewers fans online are like, the Brewers are making it really hard to be a fan right now with, you know, Council leaving, and then Woody now a free agent. Rowdy Telez also uh, non-tendered. Rowdy, ease, ease the folks. So you? obviously Brandon Woodruff... Early in the season, remember, he only pitched in 11 games last year. Now, when he did pitch, he was phenomenal. And Brandon Woodruff, for the most part, since 2017, when he got called up in uh, yeah 2017, he had been the most solid, sturdy starter the Milwaukee Brewers had basically had, even you know since came up in 2017, made some starts. 2018, same thing, kind of started uh, making more of a role for himself as a starter and a relief pitcher. Obviously you remember the home run off Clayton yeah, Kershaw. Oh, who could forget? And then 2019 him Peralta and Burns were all introduced into the starting rotation officially for the first time. And he's the only one since then that had been a hundred percent consistent from 2019 through 2023. Yeah. Now it sucks that they didn't tender him. I get it. But at the same time, remember at the beginning of the year, he had a shoulder capsule issue where he decided to take the two, three months off, which he did. He came back. He pitched the last couple months. And then, of course, literally the worst news the Brewers could have possibly gotten is he hurts that shoulder capsule again right before the postseason. Yeah, bummer. The rest we all know is is history. You can't pitch. Well, that shoulder capsule, some of the things that you can do for it, it's very closely related to the to your labrum and your um your labrum and your rotator cuff. Your cuff. And as a pitcher, clearly that's pretty important. Yeah, you need those. And when you when you first start having those type of injuries, you have a few things that you can do, but one of them is is resting it with PT and rehab, mm-hmm. which is what they did. But when it flares up again, that's normally when you need to have surgery. And when you're a pitcher, rotator cuff, labrum, shoulder capsule type surgery, there's no guarantee that you come back. This this is worse as of right now for major league pitchers than a Tommy John surgery. Because Tommy John has been, you know, so perfected over the years. It used to be a death sentence. Yeah, and now it's like, well, guys come back in a year and they're throwing harder than they used to. Yep. Well, this is the, the the worst one, and a guy that most Brewer fans would know who I'm referring to would be Jimmy Nelson had a very similar issue. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Nelson, at best, has come back in his career. And remember, that took multiple years. Jimmy Nelson, at best, has been an average relief pitcher since. And it took, again, two to three years to get to being an average relief well, man, pitcher at the best. Dodgers, he stunk. The Dodgers didn't even tender him yeah, he either. So he's... But that's what can happen. Now you're looking at it from the Brewers' perspective. It's a guy that's got one year left of arbitration. You would have probably have paid him at least eleven to twelve million dollars, mm-hmm. and he would have been rehabbing for eleven to twelve million dollars. Or you could uh, non-tender him, let him go, become a free agent. Well, I thought initially when looking at it, the Milwaukee Brewers. They probably could have tried to sign him to like a two or three year deal. And then I rethought about it. And I think like a a three year deal would have made the most sense because if you would have signed him to a two year extension, you would have still had to have paid him the 11 or 12 million for arbitration. That would have been just for him to rehab. Mm -hmm. Then you would have had to have thrown, I would guess at least $20 million per season probably would be the low point. Mm. And then we don't even know if he's going to come back and be good good or or not. And he only pitched in 11 games last year in which a season you won 92 games. I, you, you would be put, you would be really rolling the dice with who you're giving big contracts to, especially after throwing all that money at Yelly and him being below average for a big, a good chunk of that contract so far. 
You couldn't afford to strike out on that contract. If you did, that would be another anchor around the Brewers' neck forever trying to compete. Yeah. And I think at best... You throw him that three-year deal, it would have, we'll just say $45, $50 million, $5 million to rehab, and then it's the $20, 25000000 million per year. But again, you're rolling the dice to see if, if he can come back and be Brandon Woodruff again. Not saying he can't. I love Woody. I, yeah, he's a man. We yeah, love Woody. By all accounts, great person, great pitcher. But it's just the crappy situation. Can the Brewers afford to roll the dice? It like couldn't that? have happened at a worse time. Yep. It couldn't have happened at a worse time with, you know, the influx of the roster. It's just bad situation, horrible timing. And now here you are. Now I still think the Brewers have an opportunity to sign him if they're willing to roll that dice. I'm a little surprised they didn't trade him because there were multiple teams, I guess, that they were in, in talks with about trading. And if they figured that they had zero shot of re-signing him, I think they would have traded him because you would have wanted at least something back for your product, right? I think I was reading that um, there were teams interested, but the vi- what they would have gotten in return was just not but worth it But if you figured all. that you had no shot at re-signing him, you would have taken, even if it's some low-level prospect that's like a one in a million shot at hitting. Yeah. Wouldn't you still have taken that versus no, we're good. We'll just release them. Now I did see, I think it was on the Twitter sphere. People, I want to say it was some of the brewer beat writers or it was somebody that's uh, somehow covering the team. They were talking about how this was almost a, the brewers could have traded them, but it was like a thank you to Brandon Woodruff. Mm -hmm. We're not going to trade you to a situation that might be worse for you. We'll let you choose your situation. But I did see a John Morosi tweet. It was actually from less than an hour ago. Uh, John Morosi tweets out, as I reported on at MLB Network a few moments ago, Brandon Woodruff is drawing interest from a majority of MLB teams in free agency. Hmm. Woodruff is expected to sign a multi-year deal following surgery. The Brewers declined to offer him a 2024 contract at Friday's deadline. Interesting. So I think this is where it's tough being the small market because you couldn't roll the dice and have Brandon Woodruff rehab for 11, 12 million. You couldn't have him or you couldn't afford him to not be Brandon Woodruff for 20 plus million. But then if you're like a Dodger team or you're a Yankee team or you're some bigger market that's willing to spend money, if you're willing to take on a $50 million, uh, you know, contract for two or three years and Brandon Woodruff rehabs and becomes Brandon Woodruff and you literally are paying him 20, $25 million a year. That's an effing steal, (laughs) but the brewers don't have that luxury No, they don't. because if, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out in LA. It, It doesn't work out in New York. These teams can absorb those, those misses. The brewers have to hit. Look at how bad the team was anchored when Yelich was playing horrible baseball and they were unwilling to open up the pocketbook anymore. Yeah. And you're paying a guy to be an average player at best, 26, 27 million. That was Christian Yelich until this last year. Yep. They can't do that. Could you imagine? Say Christian Yelich, this this was the one-off year where he had a little bounce back and he should have been an all-star. But then he says he goes back to being an average player. You know, you still have him for like six more years. And then you have Woodruff and you give him, you know, a big deal for two, three years. You're telling me that between these two guys that you would be paying almost $50 million a year for average output from Yelly and very little output at all. If Brandon Woodruff doesn't come back being Brandon Woodruff from this injury, you can't do that. You're you're doomed. Think about it. 50 million between those two. The Brewers have never even spent 150 million on their payroll. That would already be more than a third of your payroll. Uh, they couldn't do it. The plight of a small market, eh, Rowdy? But I do think there is a part of me that does think because they didn't trade him, I think the Brewers do think there might be a small possibility that they could re-sign him. Right. Do I think they do? No, I don't, but I still think but there a, is a small so chance. So you tell me there's still a chance. It's been a tough goal for Brewers fans this past couple weeks here. Yeah, I've been bracing for the Woody thing for a couple weeks. Well, Rowdy's got this. Rowdy wanted to talk a little uh, revolving door, Brewers. Rowdy. Huh? Well, we got... 
new first baseman in town. Do you think he's going to be the opening day starter? <laughs> yes, I do. Because, I mean. I think anyone can be now. They trade away two prospects. One that was towards the bottom of the top 30 prospects. I think he was like in the mid-20s. So it's not a huge loss. Especially because you're anticipating trading the Burns, the Woodruffs, and you know, some of the Adamas's of the world where you're going to really fill that. Why don't pantry. you just say, why don't you just say they're trading Willie Adamas? Why do you have to say the Adamas's of the world? We're, we're, we're going to do this right theater now. Theater of the mind, Grant, because okay. Okay. theater of the mind. That one prospect isn't, isn't some make or break, whatever, who Correct. cares? Uh, Jake Bowers did play half a season for the Yankees last year and showed some pop and, Showed like maybe he could be the prospect he was drafted out of high school that people thought he would be, but he's been very inconsistent between Tampa Bay, Cleveland, and New York. Mm-hmm. Obviously, coming off of a of a some of his better pop seasons, but it's a guy that he's cheaper than Rowdy Telez because Rowdy Telez was in the final year of yeah. his arbitration. So Jake Bowers is just entering arbitration, so he'll be cheaper for three years. He's younger than Rowdy Telez. And he kind of has the same profile, but he's better defensively than Rowdy Telez is. But I just love the fact that two of the names, two of the three names that you thought could potentially be first baseman this year were Rowdy Telez, who had such a horrible down year. Terrible. Keston Hira that never actually made Grant it to him. the majors. Well, he's not any good. So he's not a brewer anymore either. And then also it that. was just, it was just, you were just mismatching who was playing first base. So I wanted to go down memory lane of who our favorite first basemans were since Prince Fielder. Okay. Because we're still searching and we're hoping that Jake Bowers can be, because I'm going to put, I would put a lot of money as is right now. The roster He's probably your starting first baseman. All right. So Prince Fielder, Prince Fielder. And then, and then, Oh, you're asking me. Oh, God. Well, I don't know him in order. This is like no, naming off presidents. Chris Carter's in there. Yep. Jesus uh, Aguilar. Jesus Aguilar's in there. Adam Lind. Correct. Um, I know there's one random white guy that I'm forgetting. I think that just looking there's at a lot it. Of random white guys. Yeah. There's been so many random ones. Chris Carter was Mr. Home Run Strikeout. Mm-hmm. And like. I'm going to hit 198. He was doing I'm it before gonna, it was cool. But I'm yeah, going to really hit cool. like 40 bombs, and I'm going to strike out like 160 times. Well, he's revolutionary. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll read edge. you the list of guys that played. 2012, Corey Hart oh, played the most right. games. Yeah. Where are my sunglasses but, at night? But Travis Ishikawa was yeah. also the secondary first baseman. There's one. Not thought of that name in a long time. Uh, and why would you? <laughs> here's a good one. Uni B. Oh, Uni he was <laughs> legendary shortstop. He went to the K League and just dominated. Yeah, yeah. of course he did. <laughs> Uni B. That's because he was a Korean League type player. Uni B. All right, 2014. This guy actually had a pretty good first half of the season. Let's not forget Mark Reynolds. Oh, he was kind of him. The original. He, he, he the was the Chris Mark. Carter yeah. before Chris Carter because he was the 40 home runs. I'm going to strike out a billion times, guy. And also, Lyle Overbay came back that season and played like 80-some games. There's a good name on there that Mike and Portis just said. Really good. He's his own song. Adam Lind. Mm -hmm. Yep. He was was arguably one of the better ones that they've had post-fielder, but that was only for one season. Chris Carter. Uh Uh-huh. Eric Thames. Uh Uh-huh. He's got an own home run song. Thamesy. From the K-League. Jesus Aguilar. Mm -hmm. All-star. I think the Rams are threatening to kill me over Jesus Aguilar. Well, legitimately. It was a heated time in 2018. His name was Carl. I think the random white guy you were looking for was was Justin Smoke. Oh, God. Smoke. He stunk. And then don't forget that they also kind of, he was so bad, even though he had a couple of years with the, the Rangers back in the day where he showed some promise and some pop. That was when they were platooning him and Jed Jerko. Yeah. <laughs> Jed 2020 Jerko? was tough, folks. Hey, hey, don't throw in Jed. We can't revise history in 2020. Smoke was terrible, and so was Ryan Healy, but Jed Jerko was okay. That was one <laughs> he signing. Was. That, he was okay. That and one that worked out That was the sad okay. part about it. Like, Jed Jerko is something in our infield in 2020 Plus, that we were holding way, on to. More people, more kids. People, if you're having kids out there and there's a son, well, it could be a woman or a girl now. Name your kid Jed. We need more Jeds in this world. We do need more Jeds. That's, That's a good a power take. name. Jed Jerko. Son, why did you name me Jed? Well, Daniel 2020 was. Great oh, Dan the man. Keston Hira. And then we have Rowdy Telez. And it's just, I mean, it's pretty much a revolving hey, door. Eric Thames against the Reds, though? That was dynamite. <laughs> Drug drug test Thames. Yep. He has I think beer too. just purely looking at it, I'm going to go with Adam Lind. 
for that one season in 2015 was was the best first baseman they had, but it was just one year. Fan favorites, who do you think? Thames, oh, Aguilar. Definitely Thames. Thames. I mean, Chris Carter had bombs. A lot of people liked Fogey. They liked the oh. chunk. Well, who doesn't love a big old fat guy? Yeah. Pat Murphy giving him guff. How did I have a heart attack before you? <laughs> yes, Daniel Vogelback. <laughs> summer, summer of 2021 with Rowdy Telez was people were loving the Rowdy. Big Randy. Remember when Daniel Vogelback wore that, um, the American flag onesie for 4th of July? Yeah. Oh, my. It was beautiful. Where do you find a onesie that big? <laughs> Chris Carter and Mark Reynolds, randomly enough, for what they were asked to do and what they are, Mark had, Reynolds is good. had decent seasons. You just get a tarp. And Plus, you... he, he kind of looked a little bit like Corey Hart. You can make your own, though. I agree. That's you get a tarp, yeah, and you just kind of sew it together. Yeah. Just bundle. bundle My biggest takeaway is not that they haven't been able to find a consistent so first fleet. baseman. It's how have we not been able to find a consistent hitter that we developed in the minor league system post Braun? Well, now go DHs for now. That's university. They signed this guy. They traded for this guy on Friday. I don't even remember his name. What are we? What, by Bauer. the way, what are we Jake doing? Bowers. Here? Jake Bowers. Okay. That's good. That's good. I'll, like, I'll make sure that makes it on the Bill Michael Show rundown today. I need to message. Bill. I get it. First like I get it. Right. Jake Bauer. It's hard. It's hard to. It's, it's been horrible that they couldn't find a first baseman consistently, but we've seen like parts of a season for Mark Reynolds, a hit or miss, literally home run strikeout season by Chris Carter. Like the years overall have it. Didn't Ryan like, Braun play first base a couple times? He did play a little first There's base. There's your best one. Gave it a try. But that's the thing. It's like Still college try. They've kind of pieced this thing together. And if you go back and look, it hasn't been great and it hasn't been consistent. But the first base position overall hasn't been just god awful where it's like, Oh, we're so bad. How do we not have a developed hitter from our minor league system since Ryan Braun? Casimir was the only one that showed any promise. That was 2019 for one year. Here's your answer, because we develop pitchers. When the Brewers have a good pitching, they don't have hitters. hitters, And and outfielders, mostly. They develop, they have like six out. They have too many outfielders right now. When the pitching is good, the hitting's not. When the hitting's good, the pitching is not. Dude, how can you go... Basically, we'll say what Braun hit the scene in twenty. Uh, are you new? Are you new? This team sucks. Hey, how, not, you, hey. how have you not developed one good hitter that you've drafted in fifteen years? They developed Prince. That hasn't been fifteen years. Well, since no. he hit the league, since he hit the league. if he hit the league, okay, well that's cherry picking the year. Well, Come on, Ricky now. Weeks was already in the bigs. Corey Hart was already in the bigs. Uh, Prince Field. All those guys from that court. Ryan Braun was the last one to to come up, and we miss him. Yeah. There's there no one go. after that. He Not should, homegrown. I, I, it's Kest, Kest I've been Danny. here. Why are your you yelling Kest, at me? You're I've been here he's for not, He's not yelling. You're yelling. Yeah. <laughs> raising your voice to me. You're yelling. He's not. <laughs> your boy Kest Daddy is the closest thing we have. My boy Kest. Free Keston. Well, I guess he is free yeah, now. Yeah, he is free now. Yeah, he's free now. Yeah. That's like taking the burden. Like, Dontavian Wicks looked good yesterday, by the way. Uh, hey, Jaden Reed. Now that's homegrown. Baby Stefan Diggs. Is that oh. too much? Someone said a poor man's Tariq Hill. Well, a slow man, <laughs> a slow man's Tyreek Hill, which at that point, then why are we comparing someone to Tyreek Hill? But <laughs> hey, but as, as the Dolphins for the Brewers, we celebrate the Packers and the Badgers, though. Hey, I love the Brewers as much as anyone. Uh, so I'm here for it. Jordan Love finally gets that 300 yard passing game under his belt. You know, there's a little times out there where it's like the accuracy a little off for Jordan Love. But, you know, it's a little we've known that all year. But my God, it ma- when it mattered, Jordan Love came up big, especially with no running backs. He just had A.J. Dillon toting the rock. Good thing that dude's got um, two big old quads that can push through. Jaden Reed, though, what a beast. Um, there's a couple stats holding around. So Aaron Rodgers on December 21st of 2021, that was the last 300-yard game for the Green Bay Packers. And then also for Jordan Love, I saw this on ESPN Stats and Info. Jordan Love now has three go-ahead touchdown passes in the fourth quarter of the season, a most by a Packers quarterback since Aaron Rodgers with three in 2012. That's kind of crazy to say. Yeah. So Jordan Love, does it look like he's got that dog in him a little bit now? I mean, I, get, I know the Chargers and Rowdy, what, what's their passing defense ranked? The worst in the NFL. <laughs> you still got to go out there and do it, though, right? I mean, yeah, he was, he was making some good passes. I think most of the problem yesterday was the offensive play calling. Like, when Mark Sanchez says, and a fourth and three, and you throw the ball three yards short, and it's on Musgraves to go up the field and get that for, first down when he's got somebody right on him, mm. like, you're probably calling the wrong play. 
<laughs> Matt Lafleur. Uh, it was it was nice to see a win, though. Yeah, you yeah. want to see the you know the progression of not only Jordan Love because that's that's the main goal of the year is what is Jordan Love figuring out if he can be the next quarterback for you know the next five to ten years or maybe even longer or do you need to go back in and get a new quarterback get you know draft a quarterback next year? Well, we're finding out more and more about. Jordan Love, some of the young players as we've gone on. And it feels like they're starting to trend in the right direction. Like you see Dontavian Wicks is making plays. We see that Romeo Dobbs, who's been around, been there, done that, has been consistent. Jaden Reed has really been popping the last few weeks. Tucker Craft made a couple of nice plays. That's the other guy that we've been waiting because we've seen Luke Musgrave and Luke Musgrave looks like he's going to be a decent tight end. Now, people can laugh and be like, dude looks like a deer. Dude falls down at the first time he's touched. He's got the most yak on the passers. But uh, that's the the thing. It's like he's still fast, and he's still decent, and he's still in his first year. So I think when you look at that, it's promising. It's like, okay, well, if Tucker Craft can – can do what he did uh, with a couple of those plays, and and Musgrave is what he is. Oh, that looks like we might have two decent tight ends. Or if Wicks and Reed continue to play and play well, it's like, well, we actually might have three solid wide receivers, especially in a year or two with yeah. Dobbs, Wicks, Reed. And that's not even if we even get any Christian Watson potential. So it's like you're starting to kind of see, yeah, some of these guys they might be players. But at the same time, they're doing it against lesser opponents in the Chargers defense that isn't very good. It's a good thing, though, because they're young. Right? But, if, you're, you're building, but if they, you're weren't, building, you're building. If they weren't doing it against a bad defense, then really when bad. are they ever going to do it? Correct. So you're building on something. All right. Uh, line four. Good morning. Who's this? Morning, boys. Daniel? Yes, sir. Did you tease me by asking one time we're going to be at the, the Zone Blitz pregame bash and then didn't show up to come say hi? Huh? No, uh, I didn't mean to. Well, I guess technically, yeah. Tease you, tease you, Daniel. Well, I no, no, I, I don't sure. need an explanation. I just wanted to call you tease. That's all. <laughs> I was downtown, uh, <laughs> not that general location. Um, no, I was gonna say uh, when it comes to the Packers here um, and their pass catchers, what is the number one ability that they need? Catch the ball. Oh, availability! If oh, like big, like big Mike McCarthy, number one yeah. availability. Oh yeah. If you're if you're available to play, that's the first step. Secondly, you have to be able to get open. And my God, if if I watch, <laughs> I, I feel like the last six weeks I've watched every single game, and Dontavian Wicks is always like five yards open, if not more. It's insane. I know he's probably got like the slot corner whatever on him, a linebacker, because, you know, they're going to try and stop Watson and Dobbs first, but dude is always open. It's insane. Yeah, we had that. And, that was a couple of weeks ago we had that stat, too. Like, he's, like, got the most separation for any wide receiver. He just never get on the ball. Yeah, that that was, I believe it was a top ten list of who has created the most separation when it comes to man coverage. And Dontavian Wicks was in the top ten, and Jaden Reed was in the top ten. Yeah. And now, all of a sudden, fast forward – you know, six weeks from then, oh, those two are really starting to pop and come around. Yeah. Well, and they're getting targets, which is huge. You know, um, getting I, I I never realized how fast Jaden Reed was. He's like he's a little Randall Cobb, isn't he? He's That's a four. Yeah, he's a four three guy. I think he was upper four three. So someone on Twitter compared. He said he's a poor man's Tyreek Hill. Well, I think another thing that we need to talk about is we're seeing these guys earlier in the season open. You've been noticing it. The stats are saying it, but Jordan Love wasn't able to hit him. Now Jordan Love is playing a little bit better, and they're making plays. But I think another thing for Jordan Love is the offensive line has been a little bit better too. So he's had more time. He's had better windows to throw to because there was a few games where the line was just horrible. Yeah, like against the Lions, they he could he had like a half a second to throw, um, which. Uh, might be the case again on Thursday, but we'll see. Um, the other the other thing is when people say, "Oh, well, Luke Musgrave looks like it looks like a deer," or uh, he kind of gallops, he doesn't run. You know, like I've, 
people just say he doesn't play aesthetically pleasing football. Yeah. And I say he's second in the NFL in rookie catches, yards, and, like, I don't think touchdowns, but you know what I mean? Like, he's he could look completely stupid when he does a thing as long as he's catching the ball yeah. and getting yards and picking up first down. I don't care. He's, like, perpetually I, falling forward. That's fine. He's, like, you would say right now he might be the Hunter Pence of tight ends. Hunter Pence did nothing that was aesthetically pleasing and did nothing like the correct way that you would ever teach it, but he was a darn good baseball player. Got it done. Hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good takeaways. Obviously, the defense is not good for um, the Chargers, but the offense is really good for the Chargers, and they got held to 20 points. Yeah. So. Yeah. Daniel, and how are you feeling about – did you go to the game then on Saturday? I didn't go to the game, just uh, but we were, yeah, we were down at Brats. How was, uh, how was it at Brats? Like for the red zone, it was like crazy lit outside, but inside it was pretty, you know, it was such a nice night. It was pretty dead inside. Was it like, um, was it a big crowd at Brats? Uh, I mean, before the game, yes. Yeah. Like before people like went down to yeah. the camp, but yeah, not afterward. It was like, uh, <laughs> It, it got pretty dead in there, and then we went down fourteen nothing, and it got even more dead. <laughs> so, uh, but hey, we all we all believed that they could come back. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. yeah, I no. When it was fourteen to nothing, I'm like, well, this is over. Uh, I know a couple of people turned the game off, but hey, it was well, a nice little gutty yeah, win. The bars bars can't do that, so we we stuck it out, and you know, here we are. Dude, we were um, so when we were at the red zone, there was. Uh, one of the bartenders that knows us, his name's Nate. He started at 9 a.m. And by, I think he said he got cut because they'll cut staff, you know, if it's dead. So, you know, so yep. he got cut, I think, by like like 2 o'clock, I think he said it was so dead. It was crazy wow. if like, it, like all, and all the business owners are like, dude, the badger sucking is really taking I will a say my bottom line here. The, the, the beer garden actually got pretty full that for wild. that game. And yeah. then once, uh, you know, the last... 30 minutes before kickoff when people started peeling out of there to, to walk up to Camp Randall, it thinned out outside because, one, the sun went down. It was getting colder. Game time was getting closer and closer. And everyone kind of, if they didn't go to the game, they moved inside. Yeah. I would say about, if you're talking about the annex and then the other part of the red zone, it was probably about half full. Yeah. So, um yeah. Daniel, what do you think of here? Change gears again to the NFL. What do you think of this Thanksgiving game against the Lions coming up here? Uh, I don't think that they can do worse than the first Lions game they played. So, <laughs> um, I, I mean, you got to be cautiously optimistic about it, right? Yeah. Their playmakers are doing more than they did two months ago, yeah. and their offensive line, like you said, is better than than they were. So, yeah. I just, I, I, Hutch gives me nightmares dude is scary yeah so they're growing yeah. though they're learning they're gelling feels good feels really good well daniel you got thanksgiving where's that rank for your holidays coming up here buddy um spending at the in-laws this year oh so none of my none of my family um but yeah i i'm i'm, I'm good with thanksgiving it's 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 good to to think about what we have instead of what we wish we had, right? Oh, so. look, at, look at you. Yeah, you give thanks. Yes, give thanks for what you have. I like that, Daniel. Yeah, that's nice. Well, did you have a good weekend then, brother? Of course. Daniel, have a great weekend. I'm going to get ahead of it right now. I'm thankful for you calling in, buddy. I appreciate you calling in and listening. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful thankful for you thanking me for calling <laughs> in. Have a, good, have a good Monday, Daniel. You're the man. Yeah, bye. See you, buddy. Thankful for all our listeners. Speaking of good... Jordan loves passer rating when targeting Jaden Reed, 116.9. When targeting Datavion Wicks, 107.6. When targeting Romeo Dobbs, 97.2. And then there's this. When targeting Christian Watson, 45.5. What is... Now, those three, they really showed out yesterday. Christian Watson did have a touchdown. I'm glad he caught it because he was wide open. What is going on with Watson? Is it just remember when he was drafted? Well, we're talking about progression for the wide receiver group. I feel like, don't you think that Romeo Dobbs came in 
as the fourth round pick out of Nevada last year. And he was the one that was turning heads in summer camp, right? Mm-hmm. He was the one that was turning heads in preseason. He came out and started the season playing as arguably their most consistent wide receiver before he had that ankle sprain where I think didn't he end up getting like a high ankle sprain and then he missed like four weeks and then mm-hmm. he came yeah. back and he wasn't as explosive, wasn't effective, blah, blah, blah. Well, Romeo Dobbs has been like the most consistent wide receiver. I would say so far this season from game one till now, you know what you're going to get. He's a solid wide receiver. Uh, clearly he's still learning. It's still early in his career, but all of a sudden we've seen the progression of Dean, uh, Dontavion Wicks and we've seen the progression of Jaron Reed. It's like these guys are playing or, sorry, Jaden Reed. These guys are playing well, and all three look like they're going to be competent, solid wide receivers in the NFL. Now, does any of them look like they're going to be maybe a you know a Devonte Adams superstar? I would say no. Christian Watson's family would tell you that he is, though. But I'm also telling you that it's hard to find those guys. There's only five, you know, at most there's five to 10 of those out there in the league. If you have three guys that are all quality wide receivers, you can still have a really good wide receiver core, but the, those are all the guys that are progressing. Yep. Christian Watson has done nothing but regress. Like he looks so much worse than the kid that came out halfway through the season last year. And all of a sudden started flashing with big time plays showing off that speed showing off, you know, the go routes or the, the crossing. It's like, he is nothing like he looked like the second half of last season. And there really isn't even like, I know he had a hammy that was bugging him, but he had a hammy that was bugging him last year. He had Mm -hmm. his knee scoped at the beginning of uh, last season, or I should say during preseason. That's why he missed uh, early in the year. He really hasn't had a major injury or anything crazy that you can be like, well, you know, this happened. So clearly that's, that's why I didn't progress. He just doesn't even look the same out there. You think that's because he had Rogers throwing the ball last year or he had Rogers in the building. I mean, Aaron Rodgers makes people look better than what they are. Yeah, but I don't even think so because there's been some balls that he should have caught or that were right there that he could go and get that. I mean, mate, does Aaron Rodgers maybe throw it a little bit more accurate, but not on all of them. Yeah. It's like, he just looks like a completely different receiver and it's, it's well, crazy to fight for the ball. It's crazy to me because a lot of these Brian Gutekunst top 100 draft picks feel like they've played better in year one or two and fall off in year two, three, and four. Yeah. And there's been way too many of those type of draft picks for Packer fans to be happy about. Now, has he done some good things in the draft and roster building? hundred percent. But it just feels like some of these guys, like remember Darnell Savage as a rookie yeah. he played pretty well. He's gotten worse. Like every single year, mm-hmm. look at John Runyon jr. He came in there and played pretty well. Feels like he's falling off. Yeah. It's a lot of these guys. Now, the last two draft class, 2021 and 2022, they look like they can really be some players, though. Well, I feel like that's every Brian Gutekunst draft class. Like, they start out really hot, and then by year, like, two, maybe into three, they're like, what happened to these guys? Uh, the main one that everyone focuses on, though, for Brian Gutekunst, Jordan Love, the quarterback. Let's hear from Jay Love quick. He was, what, uh, was asked, what was the difference this time in finally winning a close game. Here's love. Message in the second half, you know, it's a 0-0 ball game. It was go finish, you know. Offense, we, we scored, I think, two tugs in the second half maybe. Um, I can't remember, but might have been one. But, uh, yeah, and then defense balled out. They, they stepped up big right there and finished off the game. Obviously, you know, we wanted to finish it out on offense, but they did a good job and then relied on our defense right there to go finish it. And how about the Berry boys? Um, now, here's the thing. Chargers could have won that game. Quentin Johnston with the gigantic drop. That could have been the worst drop of the year. Or you go back a little bit uh, in the game. Keenan Allen dropping it and hitting right in the chest in the end zone. Yeah. Now, one thing about the defense, you know, I I really thought kind of much like Wisconsin when they got down 14 to nothing against Nebraska, they easily could have rolled over and said, screw it, we're out of here. I really thought that this defense that had been playing above average defense for the entire year, but you could tell that – Rasul Douglas was the leader. He was, the, you know, kind of the energy guy. He, and he was having a phenomenal season. I mean, just look at what he did against the Jets last night. I think he had two picks and a fumble recovery. When they traded him, I thought this defense could have folded, especially with Jair being banged up and 
Rasul being the, the leader of the D, they could have just said, ah, screw it. We don't care anymore. We're, that was when they were playing some horrible football. Yeah. They could have packed it up and said, well, we really don't care anymore. Screw it. Plus, they're throwing in all these guys that are late-round picks. Like We're talking about Carantine Valentine, who played pretty well in preseason. Now, he was thrown in there for what probably – more than half the season he's been starting between trading Rasul Douglas and the fact that Jair Alexander was injured and missed some games. He's a seventh round pick. Dude has played pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then you look at um, with the safety with Savage being hurt, Rudy Ford being hurt, Jonathan Owens being a shell of a player that he was. We already kind of knew that yeah. at this point. Hey, but, Simone Biles, though, hell yeah. Um, Anthony Johnson. A guy that that was one that I liked out of Utah, the safety. He's like a sixth, seventh round pick. Dude's coming in and playing pretty freaking well. That uh, 2022 class by Brian Gutekunst looks like it could have some really promising players. And and not only in their top 100, but uh, the entire draft, they were finding guys that are looking like they can be decent, solid NFL players late. And that's huge. Uh, Back to that 2020 draft class again, back to Jordan Love, Uh, him talking about how this was his best game. Here's more from Jay Love. In the past game, that was one of our better games in my career as a starter so far. So, yeah, it definitely was. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's everybody. Like, the receivers making plays, getting a lot of yak on some of those drives was huge. Just being able to take advantage of shots downfield, get some explosive pass plays, and then guys just, you know, breaking tackles, things like that to get as many yards as possible was huge. Uh, more from Love talking about uh, the game-winning touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs, which was uh, pretty nice. The defense, they are kind of scrambling to get set and figure out who was over there. I think they only had one DB in there running somebody over late. And I just looked over there, and I saw they were all messed up. And it was almost like a pick happened between the two DBs that are out there. And Rome was able to get on top and just put it out there. It was a little bit underthrown, and he made a good job going back to the ball and aggressive hands and snagging it for a tug, so it was nice. Yeah, and they talked about it on the broadcast, too. He caught it with violence, the aggressive hands to catch it and bring it down, you know, unlike a Christian Watson. But also, they gave him the Randy Moss treatment because, you know, he saw the broken coverage. Threw his hand up like Randy Moss to get me the ball. Jordan Love does it, and they uh, go on to you know win because of it. Uh, Love now talks about the emergence of you know the Romeo Dobbs, the Jaden Reeds, the Davion Wicks. Here's Love. Yeah, they're playmakers. I mean, they stepped up big today, and they're just I mean they're two explosive guys. When you get the ball in their hands, they're able to make guys miss and just make those plays. Get some explosive pass game. And Jay Reed was in the run game a lot today, so uh, they're just they're playmakers. And then, Rowdy, it was nice to see this as well, the offense continuing to make progress. Here's more from Jordan Love on that. It just feels like we're, we're trying to find our groove right now, and we're getting into that, that groove and finding that rhythm and starting the game fast, you know, limiting the three and outs, things like that, that are just kind of drive killers, limiting the turnovers, things like that. So it just feels like we're, we're, we're getting in that groove. Everyone's kind of getting settled in. That chemistry is building day by day. So, you know, I think we're in a really good spot right now. We just got to keep building on it. Yeah, and that's what you, uh, it's nice to see the Packers building on something as opposed to that, you know, that four-game losing streak they were on. There's nothing to really build on. No, they're building.